0: The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songezo on SAFM. A shout-out to Melanie Christie, to Sandra Standa, yongama Mabete, kaya kwa kwandi Wenoa, who else is watching? bring it on ladies and gentlemen we're live on facebook live watch us there what's happening here on safm viewpoint second story in this the 32nd minute of this first hour and the story now is innovation a pilot project explores the utilization of innovative machine learning technology to address food production and carbon emissions july is sustainability month and there are numerous conversations being had about climate change, obviously, and what that looks like, especially for emerging economies in South Africa belonging to such category. Now, the Babelechi Industrial Park in Amanskral north of Pretoria, is shifting and, partake, and partaking in sustainable innovation through the piloting of Project Infrasalience, which converges food production, carbon emissions, water stewardship, and innovation, and it is an Africa-first Project Infrasalience relies on the emissions technology called white box technology to capture fumes coming out of a factory's operations, then converts that into food grade bicarbonate of soda and water. Imagine this is the first for the country and the continent as and is indeed well on its way to establishing itself more broadly than that. Now, this pilot has been driven by Nestle Eastern and Southern Africa. To date, the innovative machine learning technology has proven capable of saving more than 5,500 tonnes of carbon emissions from escaping into the atmosphere every year. You start small as long as you start and we move on. Now, the guest this evening is spokesperson for the project, Project Infrasalience, Mr. Giff Lubella. Gift. good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to SAFM.
1: Hi, Sangeza. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: It certainly is a pleasure to have you here, and perhaps we should engage how this project in the first place came about. On the one end, it's about environmental management. On the other end, it's about food security. In one respect, it's also about just effective use of technology, and this all combines into Project infrasilience. Talk to us about how we got to this point in the first place.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, so we sometime last year entered into a double competition with uh, Nestle. Nestle Global uh, in the USA have put a, a challenge to say every single person with an idea that has to help the organization move from a linear to a circular the economy they should apply. We actually made it to the top five globally. And thereafter, we were introduced to Nestle, Eastern, South, Africa. And we were part of their re-program. And like you mentioned, it's a really interesting uh, program that is one of its kind in South Africa that specifically looks at three different things, the first one being the um, capturing of, of, of carbon, the second one being essentially uh, a project that we are doing with Nestle in Tanzania, where we are helping them collect plastics. And bring them back into the value chain by creating bins out of plastic. And in that uh, process, what we're doing, in fact, is empowering informal waste pickers that you might have seen uh, on on the road. And the the, the last part of it is, in fact, a project that you mentioned now um, around sustainable farming uh, that is currently uh, uh, being implemented through this project.
0: Let's talk about sustainable farming for a moment because I think imaginably in that part of the community, that part of the metro, and generally speaking in such spaces that have the characteristics of Amanskral, food security is a problem. It's a major problem in many middle-income um, South African homes. So the point of this question is, how is this fundamentally engaging the question of food security without it being anything else?
1: So for for projects like the one that we are doing now um, we we are seeing that food security is not so much a challenge of uh, scarcity, it's so much a challenge of changing how we normally do things. Uh, globally there's uh, you might know there's more food waste than um, you know food that is actually being consumed and this is because, there's still a huge part of our communities that still do not uh, uh, change how they view uh, their food uh, 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 production. I myself, in this particular project, are looking more on the waste side and not so much specifically on the food side. What we do with Nestlé, essentially, is we are a tech company that helps them firstly have visibility of all these different Uh, uh, initiatives that they are looking at, particularly Mm -hmm. in the fight for climate and for Nestle to be a bit more sustainable. So what we are essentially doing is providing that visibility, going back to your uh, question around food waste uh, and and, and food shortage. How are we even able to say that in Hammond's call, there's X amount of food shortage if we don't have data that essentially shows that? So what we are is a platform that essentially uses data to help brands such as Nestle make up these amazing sustainable decisions that in fact have a real-life impact within communities.
0: We're going to continue then the conversation with you, Mr. Giff Lubele, spokesperson for Project Infrasalience. After the break, the time is 2038. We have to take a mandatory break so that we can pay the bills so that I can be doing what I love doing and you can be listening to what you love listening to. After the break, we continue the conversation. Project Infrasalience, a pilot project that explores the utilization of innovative machine learning technology to address food production and carbon emissions. Please certainly do stay tuned and participate on all social media platforms, not least Facebook Live. We continue after this very short break. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. on my on SAFM. Sustainability Month, July, a year on from now. Rather, a year ago, this time around, the country saw all manner of unrest, signs of a society that has fissures. And I don't imagine, Gift, you are not alive to that and how such interventions as this one is using the strength of capital Nestle in this Regard to address some of the points that would have been features of last year this time's conversation, and specifically now addressing food production, carbon emissions, and ensuring that society at least tries to level some of the imbalances out there. What do you make from that? Just this, just that statement I've made.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> it's quite interesting for me that uh, uh, the points that you just made now, particularly around uh, climate change and um, some of the speeches that were given by the, uh, our government official last year are still becoming, uh, sort of, I would say, ignored and not so much prioritised. I think it is really, uh, really, the time is now for us to start prioritising anything that has to do with uh, with climate, not only from you know a governmental uh, point of view, but uh, brands such as Nestle are taking a stand and they are actually leading this conservation because the issue of sustainability, of climate change, isn't just uh, something that would affect one brand. It's something that, in fact, would affect uh, every single person in, in in this world. So for me, I think I love being part of, these, uh, of such initiatives where we are seeing brands, leading brands, move away from old conventional ways of doing things into new ways that are more innovative, more sustainable, and they are, in fact, putting climate change at the forefront.
0: Could we talk about food waste? This is something that you touched on towards the end of the point just before we took the news break, and, and yeah. perhaps we should spend time with that because forget the technology and the environmental aspects for a moment which i know this is the basis of this innovation but i do think the engagement of food security against food waste absolutely is a critical discussion point in this country given the fact that on the one end we have this abject poverty that we all that we all know all too well abounds yeah. in society and yeah. yet the uneven distribution of what I believe is a sufficient supply of food that if distributed appropriately and accordingly on time and responsibly would be able to negate this abject poverty where people literally go to bed without the security of a meal in that day. How, from what little data do you have or from what the potential your technology has to offer can we correct that imbalance between the need for food in many South African homes and the waste that goes unaccounted for simply because of the poor distribution thereof?
1: Yeah, such a beautiful uh, question, Samuza. I'll give you a quick number. So I think the latest report says that about 10 million tons of food goes to waste every year in South Africa. This is quite a lot. And if you look at it, a significant percentage of that, I think about 70% of it, is made of fruit vegetables and perhaps things like cereal. Ten million tons of food every year is way more than enough to feed a significant amount of young people within this country that are unemployed, that are starving and they are going to bed without a meal.
0: Infant mortality owes a lot to the fact that it's just people who are not able to give children food.
1: Right. Right. Spot on. And for me, the reason I'm so interested in, 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 in data and the work that Nestle is doing is the the first important thing that we need to look at is we can't even solve this problem if we don't know where this waste goes, right? So I just told, told you now that 10 million tons of food is what is being continually thrown away. Imagine if we could know how many... Foods are making that 10 million. Then we could, instead of throwing them away, perhaps if they are not good for human consumption, we can put them into other uh, ecosystems. You know, there's actually uh, factories here in South Africa that are actually taking food waste, and they are converting that into energy, and they are feeding the same energy into the uh, ESCOM national grid. I visit these sites, and I see the amazing innovation that exists, and all of it. In my opinion, starts with data. We need to we need to start understanding that X amount of waste is produced within this particular uh, section. And if this section is throwing away this much, how about we take that food and you know distribute it to these people that are uh, uh, much more in need? Data enables us to really start increasing our uh, ability to make decisions. That are really good for the uh, for the environment, but also for us uh, 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 as well, So, in, in in closing, what I just want to say as well is what I have realized as well is South Africa's food waste is essentially equivalent to about 34 percent of local food production. I will repeat that again. That's a high
0: number, staggeringly high number.
1: Right. South Africa's food waste is equivalent to 34%. I mean, imagine the economic impact something like that would would do, you know? In Um, other words, if
0: we dropped our food production by 34%, the logic is, and only limited to logic, there would be zero waste. Yeah. That's the logic. Now, let's talk about the environmental Ah. impact this innovation has And the potential for its scalability, because we're looking at the fact that this is happening in Hamanskral, by most accounts, it's not the most industrial part of even northern Pretoria. So if you bring it further down south, you take it to Kempton Park, you take it to other parts. I mean, think of KZN and the oil facilities there in the south of Durban, for instance, and you go all the way to Cape Town where there are real industrial plants taking place or industrial activity, shall I say, and the emissions that come with it. The opportunity then to use this white box technology that's going to take those emissions, convert into water and bicarbonate of soda, already those things you can put on South African tables just from a water security perspective. And from a, a science's perspective, chemicals, bicarbonate of soda, very um, a very house-friendly commodity, if I can just call it that, together with the fact that these 5,500 tons of carbon that you are saving or that are not going into the atmosphere multiplied by however many times you have these facilities distributed in the country, suddenly our environmental impact score looks that much more favorable. Spend some time talking about the environment and its great benefits beyond what I've said.
1: Yeah, so... (coughs) I think, for me, uh, there's, there's something interesting that you firstly started by saying, and saying that this project is in Hammond Um For me, this project is essentially a demonstration of what is possible. It is a uh, pilot project, and the data that we are getting is um, it's, it's still very small compared to what needs to actually uh, be done. Projects like this, much as they need to scale, it should also be an invitation for people within South Africa to see what is possible and to implement it. Because to be quite honest, 5,500-plus tons of carbon dioxide that is uh, essentially uh, converted uh, is not a lot. We produce far more in South Africa. And so looking at projects like this, we should start learning how best we can take that, put it in a way that is more scalable, and replicate it uh, 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 throughout. Recently, the, there was um, a report that was done looking at um, uh, the world's uh, sustainable cities. And I think South Africa, uh, Johannesburg, is in fact uh, mentioned there. But sustainability in South Africa is still something that we need to further strengthen and we need to localize it. It's At the moment, every time we speak about sustainability, I really fear that we are living a significant amount of people who might even be your listeners who don't understand how something like this is in fact uh, applicable in their day-to-day lives or why it isn't important, right? So it is very important that as we speak about these big words like climate change and sustainability, we should also try and bring it back into the real-life case study of a normal person walking in the streets of South Africa to try and understand why is it that this thing is important for them, not for the environment. I think it has to do with them first, and once they understand why this is important for them, they themselves are able to uh, act according uh, uh, and support what uh, what 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 needs to essentially be done.
0: Let's talk about water stewardship. One of the great benefits of this project's pilot and the technology used, especially from the reducing carbon emissions and such pollution in the atmosphere, uh, that water becomes a byproduct of all of this. In a country that has these water challenges, first of all, by most accounts and scientific research and deductions, South Africa is a water-scarce country. From the water that we in fact have, however scarce it may be, our reticulation systems don't quite allow us to enjoy that water 100%. In other words, our water integrity, stroke quality, and the related infrastructure that should uphold that water quality, it's a known fact it is decaying. Case in point is how now in KZN they are struggling to get the water systems back up and running because of years of neglect, and then the floods just came and literally wiped what threadbare it was hanging on. The reality is this is equally something, if for nothing else, just the fact that it is using air pollution to produce water on its own is something to be lauded.
1: So spot on. Um, South Africa, there's a few articles that said that South Africa is currently facing a water crisis. And depending on which part of South Africa you are at, um, you might say it's... Certainly, when we go to far more or far less established uh, parts of South Africa, like the once met in then uh, where I come from in Limpopo, you still see the struggles that people face when it comes to water. And to tell you the truth, you know, this for me is the very, very beginning of a much bigger uh, 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 challenge. I'll go back to what I said, uh, Sir I do think that what Nestle is doing in South Africa deserves to be documented and almost shared so that people can see what is possible. The project that you just mentioned now essentially reduces emissions and is able to convert it into water. I mean, imagine how much emissions are created in different parts of South Africa, particularly in your less developed uh, nations where people still struggle in fact to go get water if you were to put something like that which by the way wouldn't cost billions of rats, you could first imagine the benefits that it would have from an educational point of view mm-hmm. for that community yes you could imagine the amount of innovation something like that will create within uh, these local communities. You know, water is an enabling source. So if a community has water, there are certain other byproducts that can come off. They have life. Of that. Agriculture uh, that still speaks to food insecurity. Uh, people are able to, you know, build. And there's so many things that water essentially enables. But I fear that, and, and this is the case in in, in in many things that I am a part of in South Africa, is in anything that you do, there's two extreme sides. There's mm-hmm. the extreme.
0: In anything you do, there are two. And yeah. then
1: there's this other side.
0: That Sorry, do you want to just go back there, Gift? We lost you for a second. You said there are two extremes in South Africa. Do you want to just go back to what those two extremes are?
1: Sure. The the first extreme is the extreme of the, I'll say, more enlightened. The other extreme, I'll say, it's the less enlightened. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, we are now speaking about converting carbon dioxide into water. Ask a lot of people, uh, you know, in South Africa, particularly my age, the younger generation, to fully define to you what carbon dioxide is, and you still have a problem. And and how do you then tell someone to convert something that they don't even understand how to explain into water? So the work that is being done here, like I said, it needs to definitely be something that is taken and shown to the rest of South Africa that this is what's possible. Some of the biggest challenges that we face today, we're not really facing them because solutions don't exist. We just need a little bit of empowerment. We need a little bit of information, a little bit of education and support. And Nesta has been doing that really, really interestingly, in a way that demonstrates sustainability as well, to really get communities involved so that when we are next time going to a place like Harman Scrub, and we're speaking about CO2, an elderly woman or you know a youth that unfortunately didn't finish the trick, they can understand what carbon dioxide is. They can understand how this machine works and how it ultimately is able to
0: uh, provide water. You spend a lot of time talking about the community, and I am minded to ask this only because of what, however uncomfortable the truth is, remains the truth. Many of our previously disadvantaged communities have a love-hate relationship with their public infrastructure or with the infrastructure at large, where sometimes you see the very infrastructure that could be the panacea for some of the social problems that are in that community not necessarily being taken care of the way one would think would optimize the value of that infrastructure in that community to meet some of that community's problems. Now, this is an industrial park. Babelechi. How has the community been brought on board to understand the work of this pilot project? How has the community been brought on board from And information sharing and distribution, because your last point essentially spoke to information asymmetry between those who have the knowledge and those who have less of that knowledge. And ensuring that this is something which the community itself owns just as much as those who have founded this project own. How do we ensure there's that mutual relationship between the community, the project, and those who come from outside with this intervention?
1: So, to answer you, you know, there's one fundamental question that we normally ask when we go to communities, particularly those that are less privileged. And the question is what is in it for you? To be quite honest, if you go to a community and you want to get them involved in something, if the benefit of why they should be involved in that is not clear, then it won't be sustainable. They will do it for that particular time. As you leave, they stop. A lot of work goes also goes into empowering the individuals themselves. Essentially, showing the community that we are not doing this thing so that you know we get good publicity and uh, you know we take pictures and then we go. We are doing this because we fundamentally have your personal development. At heart, we want you as an individual participating in this initiative to be empowered. To give an example, perhaps a bit more practical, part of Nestle's re initiative is uh, uh, recycling or converting plastic into new products. And there's an, uh, an interesting initiative that was launched in Canvisa last year where. Only a hundred waste pickers, you know, the informal waste pickers that you see on the roads, sometimes are pushing these trolleys on traffic. They were essentially trained. They were workshops that were held for these individuals, and these workshops are, in fact, in Zulu. They are in Zubedi, so that these people understand the work that they do. Once they do you need to then put essentially a monitoring system behind that to, 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 to make sure that people, you know, are, are, are continually learning. Because if you're going to go to a community and then you speak about CO2, you speak about climate change and sustainability for one day and I assume that the community will just absorb that information, then you have something else coming, right? You have to introduce it and monitor it such that it's a continuous thing that people come and get and get empowered. For me, that's the introductory part. The second part of involving a community in I'm going to ask
0: you for that second part to please be reduced to 10 seconds because I've got no time left until the (laughs) news break. A Uh, your pardon for
1: that. uh, No worries. I'll just say this. It is showing people that what they learn today, they can use tomorrow for anything else other than what you are showing them today. We're speaking about CO2 or whatever. Let them understand that this is information that they can use for whatever reason, for whatever purpose that benefits them, excluding you.
0: That's a good point to leave the conversation. Thank you so much, Mr. Gift Lubela, spokesperson for Project Infrasalience, and certainly with that conversation, we certainly do hope that those at home who were listening can bring forth such stories where innovation is taking place in South African communities to help meet South Africa's socio-economic and even socio-political challenges. The time is now twenty-one hours. It is indeed time for news at twenty-one hours.